Are You Data Smart? A weekly podcast on data security, information management, and all things related to the data you have, how to protect it, and maximize its value. I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Christian Ward. And today, we're going to dive into the long arm of the law, Jay. Uh, You know, we've talked in past podcasts, and you certainly have blogged an awful lot about the regulatory authorities that are, um, let's just say, in charge of making sure every one of those, uh, I don't know, I'm not counting, how about uh, uh, 6,000 click-through terms and disclaimers that I've clicked in the last few years uh, are somehow uh, being regulated or somehow being analyzed. And I know in the past, we've talked a little bit about the FTC, we've talked a little bit about um, just really in each country, the European Data Protection uh, Authority. But, you know, why don't we start there uh, with with a couple of the big ones, but um, let's start with the FTC and and what that jurisdiction looks like like. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about how the FTC gets its authority, and it's primarily derived from their statutory role as the consumer watchdog in this country. It's their job to make sure that in the marketplace, consumers are protected. You know, in one sense, that's what the antitrust authority is. It's, you know, we're protecting consumers from uh, monopolies, although people as varied as Alan Greenspan and some kid who was in my first year contracts class said, well, how can it be really protecting consumers if it's keeping prices low? To which we all say, shut up. Um, but the, the theory is basically <laughs> we're protecting consumers from bad things that can happen to them. And um, that's where the FTC gets its power because they can prevent or they can enjoin, they can sue to correct unfair deceptive trade practices. And we've talked a little bit about how a cyber breach, a data breach, whatever you want to call it, something that goes awry with the data you have or how you're protecting the data you have um, can be unfair. But the FTC... Well, just out of curiosity, I mean, when you talk about um, a data breach like that, I know we've also talked about, you know, what what are people's plans for it? How do they prepare? And then how do they respond? And I know you do that a lot um, in, in your work with some of your customers, but w- explain a little bit, like, how do you prepare for something like that, particularly as it relates to the FTC? Well, it's you actually prepare the same way for any regulator because there's a lot of overlap. You know, the FTC regulates protection for consumers, but the FCC regulates telecommunications companies. The FTC makes sure that promises made to customers in a privacy policy or a statement on a term and condition is actually being enforced, but the Securities and Exchange Commission makes sure that promises made to investors in a prospectus statement um, are are truthful. And they also make sure that if you're the um, CIO of Equifax, the night before the breach, you're not dumping a million dollars worth of stock and Googling, I'm sorry, binging, um, what are the effects of a data breach on stock price? Um, I don't want to laugh, but it's just... It's, I mean, so many uh, things wrong with that sentence. Yeah, I just There's nothing good about that. Just terrifyingly sad. But um, uh, actually, that, that, that brings up another one because, um, as you know, in our past, um, we've worked with, um, uh, certainly with some Wall Street firms, but they ran afoul of the attorney generals uh, back in the day when uh, there were some deceptive practices around um, equity research. Um, that was kind of shocking because it really wasn't a federal step in. It was the New York attorney general at the time um, who later became famous for other reasons. But but in this case, it was mostly about, um, really, it seemed like unfair practices. How did the attorney generals fit into all of this? Well, you know, 
in this country, the majority of data security law is state law. And so the state's attorneys general are truly responsible for enforcing really the only statutory law there is on the subject, and that's state data breach notifications, and then sort of the baby uh, FTC Act. You know, each state has a false or deceptive unfair trade practices act. Um, and, you know, sometimes these attorneys general are much more aggressive. You know, I'm sure you were referring to Elliot Spectzer as who as we all know, was famous because his show on MSNBC really didn't do very well. Um, and when they get aggressive, the goal, I think, is to either demonstrate their chops at taking on a big industry or prepare themselves for a nationwide run for office. Uh, but the reality is, regardless of why they're doing it, they're empowered to take these steps. And state's attorney general coordinate with one another. They have working groups, and these are bipartisan groups, um, focused on these issues. There's one right now dealing with data security and cyber breach, and the National Governors Association does the same type of thing. Um, interestingly, some states have empowered other agencies to sort of take the lead. And the archetypical one that I'm thinking of is in, in New York, the Department of Financial, the Division of Financial Services, or DIFUS. They have one of the most aggressive cybersecurity laws in the country, and it actually just became effective last month. And it's like epoch-making when it comes to state regulation, because the states, I think, recognize that in the absence of a GDPR-style statute in the U.S., it's going to be incumbent on the states to take the lead. And that's exactly what New York has done. And we've talked about that in the past. You know, you were saying highly unlikely that we see any sort of national um, equivalent to the GDPR here in the United States. But you think that the states will pick up that mantle and run with it? I think they might. I think it'll at least be pressure um, on in-state industries. You know, California has long been the leader on cybersecurity and data protection. Um, they had the CalOPA, or the California Online Privacy Protection Act, way before there was anything even closely analogous. They were the first state that effectively said, if you're selling to people in California, you need an online posted privacy policy. And they were doing this back when, you know, the internet was mostly dancing babies on GeoCities sites. So they have been very aggressive. They've been leaders. Um, but this, the rest of the states are catching up. And I, and I think you can be confident that even in the absence of a broad regulatory regime imposed from Washington, the states are going to have their own their own agendas to pursue. Um, well, but, we're also seeing that. I mean, look, we've got Facebook headquartered there with the the news today, as you and I were talking about before the show of you know the the revelation of Cambridge Analytica actually using uh, uh, profiles to clone other profiles and to target them. Kind of what every marketing platform out there right now does just seems uh, kind of crazy. But you know, with Facebook headquartered in California, I don't know if that'll also play into continuing to evolve uh, their approach. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of dog bites man stories when it comes to you know, <laughs> what people are doing with data. And uh, that in and of itself is a problem, right? Because you talked about the 6,000 terms and conditions that you've accepted without reading because... Honestly, who has ever read the terms and conditions or an end user license agreement? I read them all. I read them all. I know you do, and this is why you're fun <laughs> at parties. But for you know, the vast majority of the rest of us are not doing that. And what happens is there's a serious disconnect between what people believe is happening with their data and what's actually being ha what's actually happening with their data, and more to the point, what they've consented to have happen with their mm -hmm. data. And you know, the courts are going to grapple with this, and to one to one extent. 
when it's a regulatory action, there's like there's a cabined authority for these regulatory agencies. The Administrative Procedure Act and you know the rules around what agencies can do at the federal level, that's a really developed body of law. But in the states, states' attorneys general and state regulatory agencies can effectively pursue whatever theory they want. And if the judiciary in a certain state says, yeah, you know what, even though we all click OK, we can't really be expected to agree to all of these terms, these adhesive contract terms. And so we're going to let you void some of those agreements or strike out the provisions that are problematic. That's and amazing. There's no way to prevent that. That's that's the way our republic works. That's the way the structure of government in this country works. So you could have an enormous array of legal regimes across the U.S. And I think when that happens over the years of, of a situation where we have that type of divergence, then you really might see Congress step in and act because that's effectively what prompted the GDPR in Europe. Yep. Data protection in Portugal didn't look anything like data protection in Denmark. And so they wanted to find a way to rationalize and harmonize that. And that would be, I think, a, a real impetus behind a, a, a general data security law in the US. Well, but as I said, I think we're years from there. Yeah, and I think you can also expect that that'll be some of the messaging and fallout of the Cambridge Analytica um, uh, sort of story today. It's just it's going to continue to unearth um, things we thought we clicked OK on, um, maybe we weren't so OK with, and perhaps that will uh, wake up more jurisdictions to the need for action. But this this brings me to another question, which is, you know, ultimately, why should boards care about the individual, you know, um, legal authorities that they're dealing with? Why why should they care about as officers about who are these parties that are potentially both enforcing the current regulatory environment and also, like you just pointed out, could be negating what was already sort of settled if they decide, eh, we didn't really understand what we were clicking on. So, so I how think, do boards and officers deal with that? Well, I think you remind them of three simple words, shareholder derivative lawsuit. That is, if that's not an encouragement to a board to take action, I don't know what it is. It has been held in Delaware, no less, it has been held a potential breach of fiduciary duty for a board to be ill-informed about data security and to not take steps to safeguard the data security of the information that their company possesses. So when How it new comes is that, to, Jay? Is that, is that relatively new? Three or, three or four years now. I mean, it has that's been something that's been brewing for a while. These are cases that make it past the motion to dismiss stage in Delaware. And, you know, that doesn't mean anything to, to non-lawyers, but it's like hitting for the cycle in baseball. That's a big deal. Wow. So, um, you know, I've done both. So the, the idea here is if you can make it past a motion to dismiss, then you're into discovery, and that's where the money really piles up. So directors and officers who face the same liability have an obligation to inform themselves and to take care that the information they possess is being secured. And if you're not following those requirements, and we're not even going to talk about shareholders now, if you're not talking about those requirements and following through on them, a regulator is going to come after your business. So then, once the regulator is done with you, their, their lawsuit against you has become the prefab precursor to a plaintiff's derivative lawsuit against you. So the idea is, if you don't incorporate data security into the operations of your company, 
company at the highest level. And this doesn't even have to be if you're a board-run company. Not every company has a board. But if you're not incorporating these principles into how you operate, you're not being data smart. And you're putting yourself at risk for a regulatory action that's costly or a regulatory action that's costly plus an extremely expensive litigation with plaintiffs. So you got to be focused on these issues. Wow. That's... uh. Well, if, if you hadn't lost your appetite before joining us, hopefully that will uh, make you do so. Uh, that's, that's pretty scary stuff. But at the same time, it, it really just does pay to focus on these issues now, get prepared, um, have your plans in place, and certainly understand all of the regulatory authorities and the long arm of the law. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Are You Data Smart? And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks again. Thanks again.